Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode uh, from the streets to the pulpit. I am your host, number one, Mr. Quick, who will be joined by our panel. Tonight we're going to talk about what if societal roles, as we know them, were reversed. The things that we were taught in history books throughout our scholastic career were reversed. If black Americans was the majority or more influential group, the white Americans were being gunned down at a disproportionate rate. White Americans were denied jobs, loans, opportunities for advancement just for being white. Would they still believe in white power? Would they still believe that they are entitled or privileged just for being white? Or would they wave their white flags and surrender because they have been system when you try to express do you get suppressed, if these want to be depressed, then you digress. If only that was the case. In reality, if the reason for the blowback because white America is afraid that we're going to treat them as they've treated us, what is going to happen when they realize that the history that they have been taught and protecting, co-star if not featured a black American. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Good evening. Good evening. Well, good evening. We got uh, my twin on the line. Good evening. Good evening, Twin. So, Miss Quick, let's start with you. What's, what's your what's your thoughts about this? What if societal roles were reversed? Uh, honestly, I think we are so close to that. What if it's not even funny? And I think that that is why um, we are experiencing even more um, death rates death by police officers um, simply because they they understand that, you know, we coming up. We, as, as the Bible say, you know, like, the last will be first and the first will be last. We, we moving up, you know. Um, if, if the roles were reversed, or well, when they reversed, let me just put it like that because I'm, I'm, I'm believing for that, um, when they reverse, no, they they won't believe in um, that, that white is superior. They they won't believe that um, in white privilege. They won't understand it. Um, they won't know what it's like to have to actually work to get where you need to be. They won't know what it's like to. Um, actually compete to to get jobs or loans or, you know, what have you. They, um, I, I see them becoming dependent, um, dependent on the system um, and dependent on us as they always have been. I think that when you look back at, at, at slavery, um, part of its 
was just that. They were dependent. Um, they didn't they didn't really know how to get out there and work in the cotton fields and, you know, rear children and you know, they didn't really know how to do it and do it good or do it well. Um, that's why they that's why we were enslaved and that's why we were doing it for them because they didn't really know how to do it. Um, the one thing that they, they did get good at was making us think that um, we were the minority. Um, they, they're real good at mind games, but um, unfortunately, even that is catching up to them. So um, when we get to where the roles are reversed, I think that they're in for rude awakening. Okay. Now, Twin, what's your thoughts on that? I agree with Ms. Quick wholeheartedly. Um, I think their fear is being realized in that they're always used to, I guess you would, as they would probably say, keep us in our place to the point that they never thought that we could come together and actually start progressing toward making changes. And they are not, they, they can't handle it. They always thought they would be on top. They always thought they would be in control. And now, slowly but surely, that control and that power on top is flipping, and they're trying to do everything they can to hold on to it. And like she said, I agree. When it happens, as the Bible said, the first will be last, the last will be first, that can only happen if there's something to cause that shift to take place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we reverse and become on top, they are going to struggle because if a lot of them, they've always been on top. They've never had to deal with adversity. They've been given everything, never had to earn jobs. Um, they were given a job just because of who their daddy or parents or that may know or their skin color by itself. Um, as you saw the big issue in California, they were going to the big universities, not going to school, but getting college degrees. They never had to really earn things like we did. We started from the bottom. Mm-hmm. We had to learn. We had to work our way up. We dealt with that adversity. We dealt with not having much but making the most of what we had and being appreciative of those small things so that we can appreciate the big things as we attain them. And like I said, when we get there, That'll be the point is when we get there, but then we have to learn how to stay there. You know, once we get on top, we have to learn how to stay there, learn how to handle being on top, and so we don't bring ourselves back down. Uh-huh. Now, with that, with that being said, um, all of us are are not meant to be on top. All of us are. Would we treat them? the same way that they have treated us. Miss Quick. Of course not. That's just not that's not who we are as people. You know, uh, I mean, you know, for the for the ones that are going to the top, for the ones that are going to be at the top. I don't think that we would treat them the way that they treated us. I think that when um, again, as the shift goes to where they become the dependent, um, I think that they that we will 
we'll grab them up and, you know, we won't give them jobs because of, of their color like, like they do us. We won't deny them jobs either because of their color. Um, but what we, what we will do is, is we will train them up, you know, take them under our wing, teach them, and, because that's who we are. That's just, I think that that's just in our nature. That's how we built. I mean, again, you know, you look at look at the women who took care of their kids. Their women took care of their kids just like they were ours. So, mm-hmm. and and you know, they they sat and and saw, you know, the mistreatment. You know, you you took my son and and sold my son to a different plantation, and yet I'm raising yours as if they weren't mine. Um, so mm-hmm. we didn't even treat them like they treated us or mistreated our our kids. And you know, for for me as a mom, that's one of the most that that's it for me. You know, you you mistreat my child, and you know that's a whole another ball game. So um, no, we wouldn't do to them what they do to us. We we'd be way better at it. I mean, we'd be better at embracing and being all inclusive. Twin, what's your, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Will we treat them the same way they treat us? I don't think so. Um, now, nah, I can't say that everybody would be that way, but because, you know, some people may be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get back at you. It's my time now. So it truly right. depends on the person. Um, but for me, I wouldn't, you know, um, Bible say God is love. And if I believe in God, no matter what, I'm going to treat you the right way. And I know what it felt like to have people mistreat me on the job and talk negative to me and talk down to me. So why would I want to put that back on somebody else who don't deserve it? And so I would be one that would not treat them any differently. I would treat them just as respectful as I would treat anybody else that uh, that is under me, that I'm trying to teach them the way, say that, hey, there is a better way, but you may have been taught as a way to try to run people or control people and things like that. There's a better way. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be nasty. You don't have to treat people like they're less than. You can treat people like they're human beings. You can be kind. You can be nice and still be effective and get what you need done, done. Um, so, no, I think we're going to treat them. We won't treat them. So like I, said, I won't treat them, but I think there may be some people that, We'll probably be like, yeah, it's my time now. And my I'm going to show what y'all did to me. <laughs> you're going to learn the day. Exactly. <laughs> you know what, though? I, me personally, um, like I said, remember, I preface it with everybody's not going to be on top. I think those people who who harbor the, the ill wills and the, and the negative and the resentment and all that, I don't think they will be the ones at the top for that reason. Because when God put us back at the head, he's going to want us to demonstrate the love. He's going to want us to um, teach them, essentially. we got to be an example. So he's not going to put those up there who's going to be a poor ambassador for, quote-unquote, his brand. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't treat them any different. In fact, um, I'm going to show you how to how it should have been done in the first place. 
You know what I mean? Like, if y'all would have done it this way, you probably wouldn't be in this place. So I can't. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm not. I can't tell you that. I'll make it easy for you. But for those who who come and just on some on some real and you know, I'm I'm not even saying you got to come begging. You know what I mean? But just you know, sitting around sitting around the water cooler, you be like, listen, man, I apologize for all the the stupid shit that y'all went through or all the stupid shit we did to y'all. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't right. You know what I mean? You might hell, you might get fast track someplace else just on that sentiment alone. But I think that um it will be hard for those who can't humble themselves, if you will. You know what I mean? So it'd be more people working in the fields just because you can't humble yourself and say, Hey, I apologize. Now, that may not be your 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 role, that may not even be my right. To ask for that, but I, I figure God put me in this corner office. I can kind of ask for what I want at this point. Now, what do you think about the idea of better yet, not the idea? How do you think that they will react when they figure out one, their grandparents have lied to them, or their teachers have lied to them? and misled them by omitting some parts of their history, meaning everything that you've accomplished, either co-starred or featured a black person. So you wouldn't be where you're at in this world, in this country, without a black person. Thoughts. What's your thoughts? Not thoughts. As I learned the other day, thoughts. Just quick. I'm I'm not sure that it would change um, much, quite honestly, because I, I I don't think that they would accept it. So, see, part of you know part of believing is acceptance, and you know it's it's one of those. Once they find out, okay, cool, but they won't accept it. So I, I don't know if it would change their mind state um, very much at all. And on the flip side of that, I think that, um, again, we're in a time where, where some of them are recognizing that um, they've been duped, so to speak. And, you know, um and they are recognizing and, and now understand, understanding and learning about who um, who we are and our history. And I think that those are the ones who are embracing it and saying, hey, you know, enough is enough. You know, like they're the ones kind of stepping in and, and protesting along with us and, and kind of understanding that, you know, like it's not – the history as they know it um, isn't as glorious as it was taught. Mm. What's your thoughts? 
I agree. Um, the thing about it is you are not going to be able to make everybody believe. You know, there are some people who are going to be stubborn and stuck to their learnings and teachings, and those are people who, no matter if you talk to your blue in the face, you will never be able to convince them of what the truth really is. If you say the sky is blue and they believe wholeheartedly the sky ain't blue, it's a new new conversation. I mean, you can spend all day talking to them, but is it really going to accomplish anything? Um, the only thing you really can do is speak to the ones who are open-minded enough in order to receive it. You can't force it to them. Otherwise, sometimes forcing it on somebody makes them reject it. But if they are open-minded enough to have a conversation and you are able to have that dialogue with them and be able to challenge some of the things they've been taught and if they are willing to accept it, then I think it's great. Um, the ones that you're not going to be able to convince them no matter what. Sometimes you've got to lead them to their own thoughts, their own beliefs, and, and let that be what that is. Um, but a lot of people are not going to be able to handle the truth because they don't. They, they will never see us as an equal, and they sure do not want to see us as anywhere superior to them. And those are people who have that mindset that no matter what you say or what you do, they're going to always view you as never good enough. Mm. I think that we, if if not to convince them, but only to remind us that we did have a, a very integral part in in this country's history. Um, so me personally, you know, don't don't take down Mount Rushmore. You know, hell, that's part of the history. But add more to it. Because I'm sure that there were some other people, some 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 Black Americans that also helped make those guys who they were. You know what I mean? Don't don't take down you know George Washington. Hey, George Washington Carver or John Hanson. Like you want to add these people because they without John Hanson, George Washington wouldn't have never been general to become president. You see what I mean? So if if our kids knew this and they saw these monuments and statues, then they could say, hey, I contributed to this world, to this country, excuse me. And their counterparts can say, hey, he's just as valuable as us. But if all you see is, you know, us as entertainers, then you're going to see us as they're only to entertain does that make sense? Yes, yeah. it does. We have another caller. We're going to invite him to the line 6787. Yeah, hello. This is uh, How you guys doing? Can you Good, guys thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, no, I, I echo everything that you guys are um, saying. Um, I, I know that for me, I'm I'm call, calling in from Michigan, and um, I can definitely say that most of my experience and journey has definitely been working alongside um, my white counterparts. And it wasn't until I went to a historically black university that my eyes were really opened around all of the things that I sort of missed in my journey um, growing up as a black man in a predominantly poor black neighborhood. Um, and so I think, too, 
I think one of the things that's so important, and I do a lot of work working with young people, is this idea or this, this question, how do I become something I don't see? And so I think for many folks, if I don't see it, then it isn't real. Um, and I know that we place a lot of value and, and faith. And so, you know, we walk by walk by this idea that, you know, I have this belief about something and that's a strong belief and I will die because of this belief, right? And so I, I have learned in my journey that there are a lot of people that just have these beliefs about either my belief about um, how Jesus Christ um, operates and through the biblical principles, or I have this belief about people and race. And so I think that sometimes the, our belief systems have a, a great impact in how we um, see and interact um, with people. So I think um, in my, my line of work, it's really not even challenging people's beliefs, but, you know, having some dialogue. But again, we, it's very difficult when we talk about this idea of listening. So one of the things I've learned is that listening is an act of love. And so if listening is an act of love, and when someone confronts me about something, the first thing that happens is my walls go up and I become very defensive. So now I can't hear. And so I think sometimes we have to really understand, you know, what, what it is to, to be connected to each other. Um, how do we see race? Um, and, and how do we live in a space where, you know, we live in a country where racism is very real and it's thriving and we'd be able to have a conversation about it. Um, but I, I think when just hearing what race is, it, I, I don't even have the, the capacity at this point to convince you that this stuff is happening. Either you see it or you don't. Um, but I think that's one of that's one of my big challenges is living in, you know, the state of Michigan where, you know, I am surrounded primarily my my white counterparts are, are here, and I have some white allies, but I also have a host of folks that, man, this isn't happening. And it's not happening in my neighborhood, and I'm pro- I'm protesting on one side of the street, and my neighbor's barbecue. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, in, in having that conversation, I think that you can't assume that one knows until you teach them, you know, or so speak on it. That's your, that's your opportunity to know that they know for sure. You know what I mean? Somebody got to take the time to teach. Remember, we've seen this time and time again in almost every Oscar-winning movie or Grammy, whatever it's called, whatever award-winning movie we've seen this time and time again where they blame two black men and the mob come to kill two black men, destroy the city to avenge something that never took place to a white woman. So they're used to seeing this. So bring it to their attention as a reality. This is what, what goes on. This is how I wake up in the morning thinking and feeling when I drive down the street all of this stuff. Bring them to your world, to your reality. Miss Quick, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean you you're both right. And I think I, I like what the gentleman said earlier about um listening being an act of love and if and if you know someone is talking to you and you're not and you throw up your defensive wall then you're not listening. Um, and I think that we have to do 
more of that. Um, not not just us, but um, like everyone has to do more listening. And I think that right now, with everything that's happened um, recently, and even in the protesting, we people are listening. Um, you know, people are protesting, but more than that, people are listening. Like we're being heard, and um, very important what we do in these next phases. Um, of, of in our rise, it's very important. You know how we how we plan our next stages in in movements, so to speak, so that um, the ones who get to the top, the ones who belong to the top, get to the top, and they have the appropriate amount of, amount of why they're there. See, the one thing that 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 you know they do that we we don't do often enough is they stick together. You know, call it whatever you want. Like, I mean, they stick together. And I don't think that um I don't think that as many of them like or even love Donald Trump as they like to, as they like to portray. But the fact of the matter that he is saying that he is a Republican president, then as as Republicans they stick together, um, and I think that that's just that's just what they're doing. We have to learn to do a little bit more of that. Twin, what's your thoughts? I agree with this thing. You know, um, basically talking about listening, and I think what we see right now, everybody, you see a lot of people on TV, a lot of uh, professional athletes a lot of white professional athletes, whether it's NASCAR, NBA, wherever, it seems like they're finally listening for the first time about what's really going on, and they're willing to listen and they're open to listening. And I think um, which shows that that's why the shift is actually taking place as it is. You know, this has happened plenty of times before where a black person is killed, but this is the first time I think that many white people, many people in general are actually listening for the first time and showing empathy and sympathy to what we really go through. And and although they can't never really comprehend it because they can never really walk in our shoes, at least they're willing to actually listen to what we have to say and listen to how we feel and how these things impact us. And a lot like uh, like this quick and they were saying it's your the belief system you know you don't know how they were raised how they were taught how they had their blinders on regarding to what they knew was right this is what I've been taught this is what mom and daddy taught me this is what it's supposed to be and there's no difference that's their belief system and it's probably it's, it's interesting to the point to see that they're willing to challenge their own belief system now when all the other times they were never willing to do so. But like you said, we have the attention. People are listening. People are opening up. They're willing to actually hear us. It's one thing to listen, one thing to hear, but you're actually listening to us, meaning that you're regurgitating what we're saying. So hopefully the people that are doing that can be put in position so that we can start keep knocking down those walls, keep knocking down those barriers, so that eventually we can get to a place where we can have 
the opportunity that we so rightly deserve. Because as you said, America was built on a lot of African-Americans. America was built on African-American period. The whole ecosystem, economic system was built on African-American, period. This, this, that was the foundation of the white people's wealth was slaves. They built, we built the economic wealth in America. So hopefully they're listening now to what has gone on in the past, and now they're willing to actually affect change that is not going to be something minor, but can be something long-lasting that would truly be impactful. Mm. Now, I'm going to ask you this, my brother, since I'm going to start with you since you're the guest. Now that we have their attention, are we saying anything worth listening to? Only because just in Georgia alone, or in Atlanta alone, we've had what, 100, over 100 people killed since George Floyd. Black people have been killed since George Floyd. So is that kind of taking away our momentum? What's your thoughts on it, brother? Yeah, nope. I don't. Um, I don't think it's taking away our, our momentum. I, I think that um, again, we still have a lot of work to do. But I don't. I also wonder too if it's. And this thing I've been battling too. Is it my responsibility to teach white America about this? Is this? Is it my responsibility? One, right? Um, I. I also think that. As a black community, as a, as, a, as a culture itself, we definitely have have done enough, invested enough in the country to be able to say, "I need you to hear me." I think there's an African proverb that says, "I will uh, children will burn down the village to fill it warm," right? And so I think when I think about rioting and I think about protesting, I think it all is wrapped up in the same thing. Like for example. Even in relationships, I think that when people are not heard, um, even in relationships, or if you say parent and child, if a parent doesn't feel valued in that relationship with that child, this parent is going to act out. If children do not feel valued in the relationship, they are going to act out. If couples do not feel valued in a relationship, they don't think they're being heard, they will act a fool, slam doors, cuss each other out. One will sleep on the couch. One will become passive aggressive. They will do all kinds of things in terms of their behavior to get heard, right? And so I think when I when I look at what's happening in the country, I recognize people are like, I don't know why people are protesting, why people are doing all this. I'm like, yo, people are doing this because they aren't being heard. So when I'm not heard, I act out. That's, that's, that's what we do. And so I think we are, I don't necessarily know if there's more we can do. I think what, we, what we've been doing, what I've noticed is important, We've got to start. I think someone on here talked about this. The economic power. We got to start hitting people where the where the where the pockets are. You know, if you really want to see change, it comes from that that dollar, unfortunately. And I know that the black culture and the black community spends a lot of money um, outside of their outside of our community. But I also recognize too that in in our community we don't necessarily have um, the, what is it called. Um, we also have struggles within our communities in terms of buying power. So we don't get the loans because of um, systematic racism. There's all these things that play, interplay or interact with our ability to be able to be the best businesses um, as well. But I think collectively we are doing that work. We are, you know, today I bought all black. 
You know, I didn't, and it was hard. And here in my community, it was hard to even find a black business that was open because they've been hit pretty hard with COVID-19, but also systematic racism that has not allowed them to to have the same types to get the same types of loans that other businesses have had, had access to, gentrification. So all that sort of plays in it. But I think we are doing the work. Um, I think we just have to continue doing it if that makes any sense. It does. Let's quick. What's your thoughts? Man, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You know, it's, it's, I don't think that the, the deaths um, in Atlanta has caused us any, um, or has made us take a step back. I think that we're still, I think that we're still focused in trying to get our point across. Um, but you have to look at it like that. The problem is, is you know, we're so far behind, and yeah. I think the the anger, um, like we're saying, we want it done right now. You know, like we're we're at boiling point. Well, we're beyond boiling, and I think that you know, with with everyone looking and and hearing and listening, now they're understanding. They're just the rice being added to the pot. So the water is, you know, as as more people get in in the pot, the water is cooling down a little bit. So um, we we still have our momentum and trying to get. Uh, the justice and the equality that that we're fighting for, um, but we have so many people jumping on the bandwagon with us that you know it it loses momentum a little bit. We we got more people and then we we get it back. So um, I don't think that the, the shootings have taken us back on on that from that perspective. But you know here we are. You know again. You know. I, I don't understand how we just specifically for the block party incident, how we get together and we're having a party and, and, you know, how we can't be, if if we're beefing as adults, then let me speak my piece, you speak yours and we go our separate ways. But, you know, then, then we have to get weapons and guns and, you know, little girl get shot. And so here we are again, we're killing each other. Um, there's a lack of leadership, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, I can't even describe what, I can't even understand what would make it okay for for you to just whip out your pistol at an event that's supposed to be a joyous occasion. I think that people like that are, I'm not going to say they're few and far between because it, it seems like there's more out here and by the day, but I don't think that people like that um, are affecting what we're trying to do. I'm going to say this before I put it over to you, Twain. We have a block party. Everything going smooth and cool. Just because we're adults don't mean that we're mature. Remember, right now we're living in a time that nobody can take an ass with because of these camera phones and social media or whatever. So even if we do fight, 
nobody can afford to lose because it didn't go viral. So, of course, since I can't fight probably, I got to pull my pistol. I got to shoot just to show that there ain't no pump. That's all well, I mean, that you can't even shoot. I didn't know. You, 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 you killed no a little girl, you know? You can't oh, fight, I, you I, can't I shoot either. And I know, but all I'm trying to say is, it, we, it's so much that's adding in. You know, social media has helped, but social media has also hurt. And I think I agree. I think that that is the problem. Everybody wants to live out loud, right? But they only want to live the good. They mm-hmm. don't want to live the bad. They don't want to live the humiliation. They don't want to live the embarrassment. They, they don't want to live the no's. They want to live out loud and, and, you know, even down to the most simple things of, of being pop, like accepted to school or, you know, she said yes. You know, you don't see the how many times she said no. You don't see, you know, how many arguments that were had um, about the type of ring. You know what I mean? So everybody wants to live out loud, but they're in the picking and choosing the parts that they that they want to put out there, which is all well and good, fine. You know, you want to paint this picture of perfection, um, and it's not that. So even still, you you're giving the world or your your audience a skewed view of who you really are. Um, so if you if you want to live out loud, then you need to be able to live everything out loud. I mean, if you want to sit up there and, you know, you want to run your mouth and we get into it, if, you know, you got to be able to take an ass whooping out loud too. I mean, that's just, <laughs> I mean, I think for me growing up, that's just what it is. If you, go, if you get into a fight, you get your ass whooped, you take that L, okay? And, you know, maybe... You know, maybe you you know you go back and try it again until you until you win yourself one, or maybe you take it and you understand the lesson that came out of it after the fact. Um, but that's just what it was. It, it wasn't you know you go get gun and what have you. I mean that's just that's just crazy because no argument in this world is worth taking a life. There's not an argument in this world that can justify taking a life. So this is my first um, time being on, and I'm 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 over here rocking back and forth. <laughs> I'm I'm shaking um, because everything that you guys are, are are talking talking about is so deeply rooted. It's such a there's a deep root cause to to all of that. So why would I go into a space and pull out a gun? And to solve my problem through a, a source of violence, right? And and so then it makes me wonder, like, what community did I grow up in, where violence was the way that we solved problems? And if if I go back even further to the ecosystem of my home, how did the men and women in my home solve problems? Was it through violence? Was that was there one point in my life where I felt like a victim, and now I have this gun that sort of gives me this power? You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 we think, you know, it's so inhumane, right? But I also have recognized in my work, too, that there are, there are a lot of men and women that are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, 
without even knowing it. Mental health is so big in our community. Um, and so there's so many deeply root causes to that will trigger you to respond in a way where, you know, what how I saw my problem is whipping out a gun. Violence is, is, is a disease. I mean, it's caught on by a grievance that's caused by somebody, and we don't know how to communicate. Like, if, if my you know, there's just so many layers to it. I don't. I, I got kids that tell me I don't trust men. I learned not to trust a man from watching from my grandmother, and then my aunt was telling me that I can't trust a man, and these are boys. So I'm like, yo, you don't trust men? Nope, I don't trust men. So how, if I become an adult and want to build community, how do I build community when I've not really had an opportunity to trust a man? I couldn't trust my father. I watched what he did. I couldn't trust my uncle because he never kept his word. I can't trust men. And then I grow up to become a man, and I don't know if now people can't trust me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, whoo, and that's so deep. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because we were talking on here some time ago. We talked about the environment. You know what I mean? We only And, and once again, even with the social media thing, like Ms. Quick was just saying, you know, only one part of one side of the story is being told. Ask your grandma why she couldn't trust a man. Ask your auntie why she couldn't trust a man. She probably yeah. couldn't trust a man because her mama couldn't trust a man. Why? Because her mama got four kids by six different dudes. You dig? So who knows why they feel like they couldn't trust men? But they're not telling you the whole story. Who knows? I can't even say that it all goes back to the house because some of them, you know, maybe one-parent households, but moms or pops trying to work two jobs to make sure that you have, and now you sit here looking on television because television glorifies violence, right? So now you go out here and you get yourself a gun because you want to live like your favorite hero on TV, uh, what's your boy name? Uh, G Money or Nino Brown, and now everybody wanna wanna be the man because I got a gun. But it all starts yeah. back to, to lack of regard to life. Like you, and then you play these video games that desensitize you to violence or desensitize you, so you know you just go out and do stupid stuff because this now has been your your programming. You have been programmed this way. And you just perpetuate, yeah. of course, everything that comes with it. And and then, you know, like like I think you both said that I think part of part of the problem is that, you know, one one is um especially when you come from a broken home or a broken family. And when I say broken family, I mean a family of you know, women who have been hurt by, by men or vice versa. Um, when you come from a, a woman who has had some type of hurt um, maybe multiple times, then she inadvertently teaches you her pain. Mm-hmm. She passes her pain to her children. Um, and, and some of them do it consciously. Um, some of them do it purposely, you know, like they, your daddy hurt me this, that, and the third. And so, and they, they do it by either degrading the child or degrading the dad or the other parent in front of the child. And, and so that right there is a problem in itself. And then the simple fact that even when they have level headed people, um, in their family who try to have conversations, sensible conversations, um, 
it's it's just kind of too far gone. You know, so by the time we do understand what's happened or what's going on and we start to talk about it, then at that point it's it's out of control. Um and and I think and I don't even know how you even attempt to solve a problem like that. Um, just me personally. I've I know a person who has done that to their children. Um, just inflicted their pain and, and my comment was like, Look, you know, what what you your hurt from from him has absolutely nothing to do with your son. Like your son doesn't have the same experience with his dad as you had with him as a lover or boyfriend or whatever, you know, because it's a different relationship. But when women hurt or when people hurt, they usually take that. As a matter of fact, let me just say this, misery loves company. So they want to bring everybody down with them instead of trying to see the positive and be uplifting and understand the simple fact that the village that it takes to raise children isn't a village of women. It isn't a village of men. It's a village of both because that's how we get that balance. You know, that's how we get um, the nurturing is how we offset the, the need to want to go and grab a gun. Twin, Miss Quick, I said a mouthful, boy. She she going in today. I said it's her turn. What's her thoughts? I mean, they're going in right now. I'm enjoying it. And and, and while she was talking, the only thing that kept flashing in my mind was the old adage, misery loves company. And and that's what it really boils down to. If I'm hurt and I want somebody else to hurt, no matter if it's my child, my siblings. Mama, daddy, if I'm hurting and I'm in pain, everybody should be hurting and in pain with me. Rather than trying to find someone who can uplift you, encourage you, help you out of that pit that you're in, and help you overcome what you're trying to stay in. And sometimes you just don't know the impression that you're putting onto your child or the other people that you are putting that on. It may be something that you had to go through to help somebody else later on in the future, but a lot of your test trials, ups and downs, the things that we go through, it's not meant for you to stay in there alone. It's there for you to learn a lesson and come out of that lesson stronger than you were before. And if you want to stay there and waddle, you have to ask the question, why? Are you doing it for attention? Are you doing it because you just may not have the wherewithal or the ability to get out of that situation? Or maybe it's because you kind of turned everybody against you that they don't even want to deal with you or make the effort to try to get you out of that situation. But you just don't know what kind of things you're teaching to people. And like you said, if you are putting that impression on a young man where you making him feel like he should not respect or like men because men have done you wrong, then they're going to grow up mentally questioning men who try to be encouraging in their lives and, and balk at it or lift up a wall to it. And if they're raised in a community where there is no role model, there is nobody for them to look to, you know, all they know is people walk around here with guns and people respect people with a gun. So when I get a gun and get older, then that's going to be my respect. And they, they, they put gun and respect together when it's not really something that should go together. The gun shouldn't give you respect. 
You should learn how to respect yourself and let people respect you for who you are. Whether you have a gun or don't have a gun, people should respect you because of you. And for black, like I said, the community that they're raised in, they're probably taught everybody in the community to respect people or they don't mess with these people because they got guns. So guess what? That's how I get my respect. I've been picked on in school. People talked about me in school. I was a bully in school. But I bet you when I get a gun, ain't nobody going to want to bother me. And that's the mindset of things that's created in somebody when you are kind of putting that into them, not to respect people, uh, not to respect men. Don't expect authority because authority going to run over you. Then you're creating a monster and you don't even know it. So when this monster go out here and shoot people and don't even and just shooting just shooting just to shoot because he want to be bad, then innocent people do get killed. Innocent people do get hurt. But where's your blame in this situation? Because you're the one that actually was the the the, the feeding ground for what happened. Because you didn't mm-hmm. teach him the right way. And mm-hmm. if you let him get educated by video games, you didn't teach him that hey, if you shoot somebody on a video game, you can hit reset. You can't reset nobody's life. When that's mm. done, it's done. So did you have a conversation and say, well, go play video games and this and that, but did you teach them that if you shoot a gun on a video game and you kill somebody, they can come back, just hit a reset button. But if you kill somebody yeah. in real life, it's a done deal. And if you don't you make that respond. distinction between somebody, hmm? They can respawn. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot that goes with that, and like you said, it's the environment makes a big difference in the things that happen and, and the people who are in your life and things of that nature. It, 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 it brings, it brings a lot to how a person is as an adult. What did they go through? How that experience shaped them? And like this, some people can overcome and come out of it. Some people don't. And then you just, the, what you deal with in the end is, is the thing that really impacts people. Well, let you said something. My brother, our guest, what's your thoughts? Man, y'all in little fire. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here processing this because a couple of things stood out. Um, just the whole idea of mothers and nurturing. Like that's, ooh, man, that's a that's a heavy, heavy, heavy space. And if I'm if I'm a mom who has has those hurts or those wounds. Sometimes moms inadvertently interject that into their children without even knowing that they're even doing it. You know, my work with parents has helped me understand that a lot of times many of them don't know what they're doing. Like you almost don't know. You don't know that you're doing it until you, until someone either points it out or or you start to see it. And, and then you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't even know that I was doing that. Um, I, I often question how we socialize boys, and not just all boys, but how, how do we socialize um, our boys and our our daughters, um, and I've seen a lot of you know parents, especially in terms of like how we even socialize girls, black girls. You know, moms will socialize their daughters to be strong, independent. Um, not sometimes you don't need a man that that might not be the language they say, but it might be in how they move, and you know, and but and they'll do some some moms will do the complete opposite with their sons, where they will coddle them, right, and um, they'll they won't they won't tend to push them to be independent, but they'll say, you're the man of the house. Um, and I've had boys tell me, man, my, my mom says I'm the man of the house, so she can't have a relationship with another man. But at the same time, the man she chooses, he doesn't have enough, he doesn't have respect for it because he's doing the things, the responsibilities that 
um, the man isn't doing. So I think that there's so many layers to how we how we socialize black boys. Uh, I'm my work in the in the county jail. I'm watching men in terms of my work with fatherhood. I'm challenging them around not using women. So I'm like, where did you learn that from? You know, how did you learn to manipulate women? And some of them have told me they learned that from their experiences with manipulating their mothers and their mother's female friends in terms of he bat his eye, he rub her shoulder, and she said no, but then he rub her a little bit, he give her that little special eye that he has, that pretty smile that he has, and then he gets he, he's able to get in. And then he gets what he wants. And over time, he's learned, oh, I can do this with all types of women. And they, they fall for it. And so I've, I'm working with men right now in terms of working with them about not using women as their agency. So, But recognizing you are your own agency, and they're using women as agency. So I know to get with her because she, she will be sheltered. I know she's Huntington Bank. She's like fifth third. You know, so instead of being able to rely on themselves, or utilize the the, the agent, governmental agencies or supports that are out there, men aren't able to do that because they don't trust systems. Well, if we go back to systems, we know that systems are institutional racism is wrapped up into that, historical racism in terms of how we move with systems. So, I mean, it, it just all goes back to these kind of really issues that impact impact the overall black family. You know, the, the the black family has just really been hit pretty hard um, on so many la- layers. So we now have boys who see guns as a place of value, you know, and they don't value themselves. So how do you expect me to value her life or his life when I haven't even really, I don't even understand my life and how to value my life. And so when we talk about even teaching, you know, I used to think, and I have, I've raised seven sons. So I used to think teaching was I just tell you what to do and you go do it. I, it took me a long time to recognize that teaching actually meant I need to model what I'm saying. So if I'm going to teach you about caring for others, then I probably need to put you in positions that require you to care for others. So we might need to go and not just volunteer, but we might actually have to serve people. We might actually have to get to know people and communicate with people and take take away from the video time and actually get to interacting with people. But I didn't know that, that teaching required that. I thought that's what the teacher does. And I just tell you what to do, and you do what I tell you to do. And then my life is peaceful because I just got off of, off of work and I'm tired, and I don't like my, my damn boss either. So <laughs> not knowing that mm. children need environments that they can be taught. And we are teaching, but some of the teachings that we're providing to our children are not preparing them to be able to truly navigate the world in a successful space, in a successful way. Well, I agree 100% with that. I think that um... – and one, I want, I want to add to that. Each student learns different, so you can't have just an idea and you think it's going to work for every student that you have in every, you know, teaching situation. I'm going to just put that out there like that because, you know, every personality is different. Every every process, you know, processor is different. Everything is different, you know. And, again, what's being taught at home and every home is different. So you trying to teach every student just a blanket lesson or a blanket way will not work. Oh, my goodness. But y'all have made some very good points, especially, you know, 
respect me because I got a gun. No, bro, we still don't respect you. I respect that pistol, but as soon as you drop it, it's on. Uh, mm-hmm. Would be my would be my idea, right? Um, but when it comes down to it, remember, violence is the tool of the ignorant. You know what I mean? If I run, if I hit your car and there's an accident, instead of me pulling my pistol, let's let's have a conversation. That's what adults do. That's what men do. We don't just go and start fighting. We just don't pull out our guns. Because me as a man, as an adult, I have insurance. I hit your car. <laughs> Call these folks. Give them my name. Tell them I sent you. They'll fix it like new. And let's finish party. You know, here's another drink. You know what I mean? Like, what is there to do now? Why did it have to go to this? Because some of y'all probably were juvenile, juvenile like-minded. You know, meaning y'all probably didn't have y'all affairs in order, like your car insurance or your driver's license probably was suspended or whatever the case may have been to where you couldn't just call the police and say, hey, I was in a car accident. That's it. Is that what adults do? Yeah, and that, that makes me ask the question, too, who teaches that? Right, because I think I think what you just said is spot on. That's that's what that's what men do. Men have car insurance. <laughs> men, you know, responsible men have those things. But when I, if I'm growing up, and I, that's where it go back to that environment. If I'm growing up and I don't have access to those kind of men, how do I how do I become that? Like without trial and error, right? But the error now is that now you get a felony, and it's a wrap. So, like, our kids can't even afford to have an error. They have to almost, and I think this goes back to this idea that you have to be just as better as as your white counterpart. You have to be 10 steps ahead, if at all, even though you're 20 steps back. Like, but somebody has to has to teach that. Is that my pastor? Is that the mentor? You know, is you know who who is that? Is that my barber? Um, who who is that man? Is that the is that the one family of the, the the one family that's on my block where there is a father that's involved? Is that my uncle? You know, like who takes on the role of saying, "Hey, let me shepherd you through this process so that you can be successful." Because we currently don't have a right to pass it, right? So how do I? Tap, you know, move successfully into the role of being a man and taking on these responsibilities if I've never had anybody sort of grab me and walk through. And so that's that's some of the stuff that, you know, I'm seeing in terms of, like, you know, where and, and this, this idea of, like, where are the men? And the men are here. My brothers are around. They These brothers are navigating. They're moving. But they also have families. And they also <laughs> are just as stretched. So... You know, I'm often perplexed by, you know, what responsibility do I have? How much responsibility do I take on? What is my role um, in all of this? And so to help and shape these, these narratives for these young brothers. But I now, think, uh, I hate that you uh, ask that question. You all have a responsibility. I hate that you ask that question because now, now I can uh, hold you accountable. I can put some, put some fingers at you yep. and put some on your, on your mind. So it is your responsibility. One because that's what that's what God wants us to do, and there's two positions that I like to say in the, in our community: either leecher 
or you're a teacher. If you're not no. teaching, then you're leeching. Good. So if you are in an upper level in a, mentally, it is your job to reach back and teach. Because if not, you got a lesson from somebody else, and you're yep. not passing it on to somebody else. So you've taken, you've leached. So it is your job to teach. It's your job to teach everybody, not just the blacks, but everybody. Because now, once again, now that you've taught them, you know that they know. And they can go forward yeah. and teach someone else. But if you sit around waiting on me to teach, and you're in Michigan, and I'm in Georgia, Yeah, that's yeah, it's not going to happen. How's that going to work? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's that's not how that's going to work. Yeah. It's so not going to happen. So you got to do your part. Yep. That's good. That With yeah. that, that makes, me, that makes me ask another question, right? Um, because that's, that's a question that we're asking. How do we get men to do their part? And I'm starting to notice, too, that there's a lot, there's a, idea of of value. I have a lot of men that don't even know that they that they have they have something to teach. You know, that they do bring a sense of value to the to the table. Um we have a lot of men that do a lot of talking to to people, but there isn't a lot of again going back to listening and then sharing your wisdom. Right? And so I, I see a huge disconnect with young and old because young people are like, all you do is talk. You just talk, 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 talk. Um, but I really can't hear what he's saying because he's he talking to he talking at me, not talking to me. Part of what I've learned, too, is this idea of how we, how we communicate um, and, and, and how, how do we take the, this idea of active listening in a way that requires us to, to be students as well as, uh, as teachers. Um, but I, I, I found that a lot of this too is around a lot of men not necessarily knowing how valuable they they even are um, in terms of being able to do the work. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Now, what we're gonna do? I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Miss Quick and my friend answer. But before we go, the best way to teach is through demonstration. Miss Quick, what's your thoughts? Um, thoughts on teaching. I'm sorry. You said, were you asking the question, is is the best way to teach through demonstration, no, was, or was he, that? He was, he was talking about how, you know, about teaching and, and is it about his, it being his responsibility or whose responsibility along those lines. And I was trying to explain to him the best way to teach is through demonstration. Okay, okay. But I said so, I was going yeah, to see my twin talk about that. Well, yeah, I do agree. Um the best way to teach is through demonstration. Uh, and, you know, it, and it's, it's an ongoing, it's an uphill battle, right? So it's teaching, um, even sometimes teaching adults. And if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you, you said you work in um, the, are you a, a, a prison guard or a guard of some sort, I'm assuming, but, um, even when you're teaching grown men or even teenagers, it's it's just like teaching children. Um, repetitive conversations. And sometimes 
repetitive instruction like demonstration as you know Mr. Quick said so you you have to just keep doing it over and over but the thing about that is is even when you're teaching for me you also still have to take the opportunity to learn because um sometimes as you're trying to teach someone something and for some and for whatever reason they're not comprehending it and you are getting frustrated um sometimes you actually have to take a step back get out of teaching mode and learn a little bit more about the person learn a little bit more about the individual in order to have a successful moment or a successful teaching moment um because sometimes like you know he said earlier you can't teaching is not blanket um you're sitting in a classroom and you have 30 students and you know you're reaching 10 of those students but the other 20 have no clue what you're talking about so you have to present it in such in a different way but more than that you have to first understand how they learn how they respond what key words do they understand better um some more than others so um always take a, take an opportunity to learn while you're teaching Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Twin? I totally agree. Um, you can only talk but so much without actually putting some action and effort into what you're actually saying, um, as they would say, to bring it on home. You know, you can teach, teach, talk, 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 but until sometimes they see the demonstration, uh, they really, it really won't sometimes be all put together. Because like I said, everybody learns different. Some people learn and can take what you're saying and can absorb it and they're good. Other people, you may have to put some type of action or demonstration to it in order for them to grasp what is coming out your mouth. And it happens when you're teaching people, but also people are taught a lot of times by what they see more than what they hear. You know, um, even growing up, parents always be saying, hey, do do as I say, not as I do. You know, they want you to listen to their words, but not their actions. But their actions is really what is kind of going to last longer with them than the words that come out of your mouth. They're going to remember what you did, but they probably won't remember exactly what you said. And mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times, and, and I can relate to that with uh, one of the young ladies who go to my church. You know, she's always called me Uncle Ray. So I've always checked on her, you know, things of that nature. And her dad was in and out of her life, but her dad treated her mom badly, very bad, you know, abusive situation bad. And her mom always said, I hope she doesn't find somebody like her father. But the mom always went back to the father. Every time she left, she kept going back. Every time she left, she kept running back after him. And you're telling her this, but you're showing her something else. And Mm -hmm. it was a point in time where she actually went off to college. She called me 3 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, my boyfriend was here, and we were at Waffle House. We had an argument, and he left me. And I said, he did what? He just left her at Waffle House by herself, no car, no nothing, no transportation, no nothing. And it came back to that lesson that 
you didn't want her to find somebody like her daddy, but she ended up doing so because of what she saw. And after that situation, I had to, you know, get her. I got her, drop her off, and then we had a long conversation. And because I wanted her to say, like, this is not right. Don't ever think that this is okay. And I wanted to have that conversation with her to let her know, hey, you're special, and shouldn't nobody ever treat you this way? Shouldn't nobody ever who say they love you and care for you ever leave you stranded? That's not what a real man does. And, and I'll, you know, I try to teach her that's not what a real man do. And to this day, she's open to have conversations with me about that, and she won't really have that conversation with her mom. But it's drives home the point. Sometimes they see what you do, and that teaches them more than what you tell them not to do because they remember the action, but sometimes they don't always remember the word. And and let me just say, comment, make one comment for that one. You know, if he were my son, I would straight whip his ass. Mm-hmm. Point blank, period. I don't care if if y'all argued. I don't care whatever the situation is. You do not leave a young lady by herself, nowhere, for no reason. You pick her up, you take her ass home, and you bring yours home. But you do not leave her nowhere. I would have foot his ass. I just had to say that. Sorry. You absolutely right. <laughs> I'm I'm agree. I'm I'm in agreement. You know, uh, we probably would have been taking turns whooping uh, that ass. <laughs> However, uh, he knows better because that's not what he sees at home. Mm. We live by demonstration, not yeah. only demonstration, but we live yeah. by demonstration. So he don't see me leaving Miss Quick anywhere. So he better not leave. Miss, uh, uh, a woman anywhere. Period. Or oh, it's gonna be a long. It's the boy, and I tell you, it's gonna be a long drive back to get her. Oh, it's gonna be a long drive back, Jack. And she, you better take her home. I don't see, listen. Okay, if you got a kidnapper, you hear me? Because mm-hmm. you may not want to get in the car with you. But boy, you better mm-hmm. convince her. Cause you boy, you yeah. listen here now. It's gonna be real ugly. It's gonna be real yeah. ugly because we hold you to that standard. Bingo. That's it. That's it. We hold you to that standard. That's what you see at home. Mhm. And then you and know what? Forget that. Even if they don't see it at home, you know, you just. No. <laughs> I mean, because you know, just being real, some not everybody is raised in a two-parent household. Okay, understand mm-hmm. that, but. As a woman, like I'm your mama. The one thing you will do is you will respect me and you will respect women, even if you don't yeah. like them, you know, in, in that moment. But you will respect us, you know. Um, the unfortunate part is, you know, we talked about earlier about not being able to trust men and stuff like that. I think that, you know, that's a whole other issue in itself. But as a as a woman, if I were having to raise um, children or a child by myself, um, the one thing that I know that I can and will teach them is how to respect women. And, yeah, of course, I think naturally he will learn, if it's a boy, he will learn that manipulation 
um, aspect of it. You know, boys do. You know, our boys do it, and they <laughs> they four and three. So, you know, I think that's part of, um, I guess, the natural relationship between mother and son. Um, the unfortunate part is is when when the father or the male figure is out of the household, they don't have that balance, or they don't, you know, have that. Um, there's that hammer to say, okay, wait, hey, you know, cut that out, you know. Um, and so when they grow to be a man, that they they perfected, you know, they perfected it at that point, and so it's probably too late. And then unfortunate things happen, and they end up in a situation where, you know, all all they know is manipulation. Well, you know, kids, that's that's what they have to survive. Right, they don't. They don't have. That's their survival instincts to cry, to do whatever they have to do to get what they want. So, if it works on mom, I'm sure the, the daughters have worked on dad. We're gonna introduce Pastor a little bit, and he can tell us about that part. But we know for a fact that the opposite sex works on on opposite parent. You know what I mean? So, my son. But come down and be like, I'm like, what are you supposed to be doing? I, mommy, I love you, you know. And she be trying not, she be fighting it. She been misquipped and she be fighting it, trying not to say it back because, you know, I'm I'm scolding him. But he hit him with those eyes, and she's like, go on upstairs, man, before y'all get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, it breaks them down. That's what kids know, right? They know when they get in trouble, when something crashes, they start crying. Right, because not only are they afraid, but now they're going to come running. Now the attention is on them, and it has kind of maybe softened the situation. So, does that make sense? Right, and then, and, then, yeah. and, it's, and then it's teaching moments too, right? Because in this moment, well, you know, and they'll keep saying, I love you until I respond, you know, but mm-hmm. in the moment, it's like, hey, what are you supposed to be doing right now? Like cleaning up or taking a bath, take your bath, and then you come back. Can I just give you a hug? Take your bath first. You know, um, so it's it's a matter of staying firm in whatever direction you told them to do. And then to, and again, I wouldn't know that, you know, just if, if I were a single parent, I, would, I wouldn't have any clue. I'd be like, oh, I love you, and we, I forgot all about what he's supposed to be doing. I do that right now, and that's when they take advantage of me. Um, and so, you know, imagine that um, in a three-year-old, in, in, a, in a grown man who has, yeah. has been doing the same manipulation for 20, 30, 40 years, you know. So, yes, it's hard by the time they have gotten that age and they may be incarcerated like that sh- Talk about teaching the old dog new tricks. Well, yeah. you you, it'd be easy for you to just get a new dog. Um, yeah. But you, it's it's still it's a process, you know. Husband. Yes. Oh, 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 I thought we were about to introduce. Well, Pastor, he, he hung up, so I just, you know, just kept it going. 
Oh, okay, okay. I didn't. I, that's why I stopped. I didn't know if you. Okay. No, keep it going. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm done. We can let twin. Twin, Miss 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 Quick has has gracefully let you uh t- t- bless the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, but she was right. I mean, a, a lot of things, and I think she's right as well as uh, Cole is right. One of the speaking, you know, when people when they learn things as a little child, like what things they can do to get over. And, and you you may not know it, but they're slowly learning how to do certain things. And when they become of age, they may still be doing those things because they've been learned that, you know, this is how I get the response that I want. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that growing up, people, you know, even I knew, you know, hey, if daddy told me this, let me go butter a mama. Mom, make daddy say yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I did as a kid. I always knew if my daddy said no, let me go run to mama. Mama, I really want this. Can you convince daddy to say yes because I really want this. I really want that. And I let mama go do the work if daddy said no. And, and, and so I learned that as a child. And that's what they do. <laughs> so right. I learned right. how to right. like, like, oh, work. that's what they do. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Daddy said, because she was like, go oh, ask your daddy. I was like, well, Daddy said, no. Mama, you convinced Daddy to say yes? So, you know, and but that's what I learned. And then even throughout me growing up, Daddy said, no. Mom, Pop said, no. Can you convince him to say yes for me? I really need this, that, and the third. You know, so it, like I said, you just never know how those things that you learn as a child and how things operate. And once you learn how that operates, it kind of goes on in school. You learn how things operate with your teachers and what they're expecting from you and, and how you handle your business there, but you also know what the expectation is and you learn how to work things around or do what you have to do to make sure you handle business or get what you need. Um, and, that, and that's the craftiness that you kind of learn as you get older, but a lot of that teaching starts at home by the small things that you do and learn. And observe. Absolutely. We're going to take this time to introduce Pastor now. Good evening, sir. Good evening, sir. How are you? Oh, well, thank you. We have uh, Miss Quick and Twin, and we have a brother from Michigan on the line. So we're waiting on you. A little preoccupied. I'm listening so I can figure out what we're talking about tonight. I just rushed in and got on and couldn't hear for uh, the first time. So you guys have to keep talking, and I'll join in as soon as I can. Of course. Well, your mic is live, so whenever you want, just jump on in. So, my brother, all I'm we're saying is a lot of these things that's that's being taught, you know, um, at home, and then. It leads up into adulthood if they don't, somebody doesn't break that or somebody doesn't doesn't hone those skills, right? Because once you, with manipulation, it starts, then starts turning into abuse of, of some sort. So you can either teach them as men and say, bro, you know, let's, let's utilize other skills. Or you can just get ready for them to come back because, now they didn't get what they want, so they don't push the lady down the steps or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like that's 
that's not what you want. So you, you want to have those conversations. And once again, it's not like a blanket conversation. It's not a blanket lesson that you can teach because everybody didn't get taught under the same blanket in the first place. Does that make sense? And, and yeah, that, even, that let me just say, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say um, about the about the teaching about the teaching point is is I lost the train of thought. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let me get it back. Yeah, I was I was going to say too about that teaching part. I I think what makes what I've seen what makes family successful in navigating that is that the two the adults have to be on the same page too. They have to be absolutely communicating prior to. So they are, I mean, and that's that's a cool part of knowing your children. Like one of the things I had to learn is I, I couldn't I couldn't parent one son the same way that I parented the other. Like I had uh-huh. I probably uh-huh. had seven different personalities in terms of navigating um how to respond to one son which is very different than how I might respond to the other. So it was it, mm-hmm. it became almost like a, a skill that I had to I had to master on top of recognizing that I still needed to provide this and I'm the man and I have to do this and I'm I'm already stressed about this. And so there was just a plethora of of things that were going on even inside my head while at the same time trying to make sure that I parent. And so I think sometimes things get get lost in translation when it comes to about really parenting kids. But sometimes you do you do forget that what you what you do they do. And so that I, I think Ray said it best, that whole cliche of um do as I say, not as I do. Um I, I'm like I, I try to, to denounce that every time I hear a parent even use that because I'm like, yo, that is that's not even real. Um and it's, and today's what I'm seeing with kids today Technology is. I saw, actually, I saw a little kid. I was playing softball at a softball game with a group of dads on the Saturday, and this little boy had to been no more than about five, maybe even six. He was so timid when he came out, but he was upset the whole time because he did not have access to the cell phone, and the dad oh. was pretty upset with him because, and he was the dad was upset with him, called him a, a nigga and everything, and so we said, oh, oh. don't call him. You know, you got to call him that. Right, and he was like, "Well, he he acted out because he wants his cell phone." So eventually, he gave him the cell phone, right? And once he got the cell phone, he was fine. And so we now we now are recognizing that our kids now, many of our kids have so many electronic devices in front of them um, because that's what everybody around them is doing. That um, they don't even have in most a lot of interaction with the adults in their home. Just, just hand him a phone, he'll be fine. Passive. They don't have interactions with anybody now for right. that reason. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So that's, yeah, that's a that's a challenge. And we know the more, you know, we, we got kids attached to that. Uh, we I just, we're doing the stress management course and just talking about dopamine and how, the you know, using the like or hand that ping in the, on one of your social media devices, it it's that off that dopamine in your in your body that gets you to feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that type of psychological connection to even your device. So I mean these these people know what they're doing when they created these devices and it's it's not, it's not to mention to be able to do this. Not to mention, just to add on, 
um, the videos that you're seeing because remember our kids when they use these devices, they're they're playing games and they're looking at videos and all this type of stuff, and depending on what they're watching, you know, when you're watching the, you remember when World Star was all big and everybody's fighting and you seeing all the violent acts. Well, that has the same psychological effect as if you were there personally to witness that versus on your device. It had the same effect on you. So when you were talking earlier about us suffering from PTSD and and not knowing, think about all the things that we've encountered directly or indirectly. Yeah. And that's that's one of them. Through your device. I absolutely agree with you. I was gonna say, even even with that, you know, like with the with the device with the devices, I think that um gosh, I I can't even believe I'm gonna say this, but for some reason I think that we as parents have have lost the ability to just say no, right? Like we're afraid of what's going to happen if we say. 